0: Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu, and you can find me at www.aboutsexpodcast.com, or you can find me as a therapist at www.therapistinstlouis.com. Now, today, we have a special treat... Uh, Christopher Lovestone, who is a sex educator and couples counselor from Costa Rica. Oh, that's why you have a weird number. And author of Conscious Cock, the Empowered Sexuality Manual for Men is here, which I love Conscious Cock, by the way. Hey, uh, Chris, good to meet you and good to have you on the show. You know, a lot of people
1: love Conscious Cock. (laughs) (laughs) They just love the term. And a lot of people are offended by it. They're like, you're using a swear word. You said cock. (laughs) And that actually is a nice segue into a conversation. Like, is that really a swear word? Why is that? You know, et cetera.
0: All right. Now, before we get into this next conversation, I just want to stop to give us a word from our new sponsors. So I am now working with a really cool company called Let's Get Checked. You can find them at trilgc.com slash stay kinky. What's really cool about this company actually is that they're doing testosterone testing for men and hormone checks for men and women. A lot of people are struggling with hormonal imbalances and reduced testosterone levels, which really can impact your sex life. Life. And so more and more men and women are trying to test their hormone levels to see how they're doing. One in four men over 30 are actually low in testosterone. Symptoms you might want to look at include fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive, anxiety, brain fog, even having a hard time making decisions, which is basically most of my client population. <laughs> Just teasing. But I mean, enough of you who come see me are actually really struggling with testosterone levels in your sex drive. So what's cool about this group is you can pick from either a male hormone test kit, a female hormone test kit, or an STD test kit. And what's really cool is they send it right to you in your home. You do what you need to do to take the test. And depending on what test you use, you'll either have to do a blood sample or a blood sample anti sample. And then you send it back and everything's completely confidential. And basically, they deliver to your home, they collect your sample, they review your results for you. So depending on what happens with your test, they may provide a prescription in some cases. Usually it would only be for something like if they're treating STDs. If you do end up having something longer term like hormone therapy then you'll likely be referred to a longer term provider. But at least you'll know where you stand. So it's really cool. Your results are available and they'll be reviewed by a physician and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. The Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and everything is completely anonymous. So again that website is trylgc.com slash stay kinky and use the coupon code stay kinky to get 20% off. Well, I'm curious. um, Well, I'm curious about a lot of things, actually. But first, (laughs) tell me a little bit about why the
1: conscious cock? (laughs) Well, I didn't come up with the term. I read it in a poem by a poet, Alana Louise May. And uh, it, it gave me a term to label a concept that I'd always had, but I hadn't had a phrase to, to, in the English language to, to reference it by. You know. How, and if you don't have a word or a phrase to name something, it just remains kind of a vague feeling inside of you. Um, or you have to go on and on describing it for a few sentences or something like that. But like when, when I came across that term, I said, oh my God, that's, that's it. That defines this concept of positive, healthy masculinity in a nutshell, in a kind of catchy, edgy way, you know, that's also fun and maybe a little flirty and, (laughs) you know, that's good. It it, it gets people engaged.
0: So it's a statement about positive masculinity. Like, what did you want to accomplish when you
1: wrote The Conscious Cock? Well, honestly, I just see so many women around me doing self-empowerment work, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: especially around their sexuality and intimacy. Tons of, of women that I know and in, in many multiple different circles that are doing all this self-empowerment work. we trying to expand their edges, investigate their shadow. And they always come to me and they're like, where are all the empowered men? And, like, where are they? and I said, well, you know, they, I know. They're like, I'm not sure.
0: We need <laughs> like, to encourage movement. <laughs> not,
1: there's not, a, a, for example, a textbook um, or a college course. Uh, that is commonly known or something like that for guys to help establish a baseline of uh, a kind of one-on-one level toolkit, standardized level, base level toolkit for um, healthy sex-positive masculinity, you know, where they can have the tools to actually understand a uh, woman in the modern age and still um, advocate for their own personal needs and communication strategies and stuff like that and modern sex education, anatomy and physiology and... Uh, communication tools. Put those all together and you have a good recipe for, for really good relationship possibilities. Uh, so I, I just saw so many guys around failing in relationships, not getting what they really wanted and trying to be Good guys. Mm-hmm. But then getting uh, one failure after another. And we're like, these guys, we need help. And like I have this like kind of way of being that I've developed over 20, 30 years of studying these things. And I'm like, let me just systematize that and put that out <laughs> to the world and like a, a basic kind of how-to manual that's also a sex ed book for men.
0: Well, you know what's interesting about that is I think. The under the belief is that men should just know how to do this. Like it should be shouldn't it just come naturally? And and it's interesting because when I even got my own sex education, like there's a lot of talk about here's what we thought it was and here's how women have been trained based on how men are, but like really I don't think we're teaching either that great. <laughs> you know, like that's why we have these empowerment <laughs> like empowerment
1: movements essentially. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's just such a lack of good modern sex education. We mm-hmm. live in such a sex-negative culture, yet at the same time, it's hypersexualized. Like so mm-hmm. many billboards in New York City with these women in string bikinis that are just like runway models. You know, hypersexualizing. Imagery everywhere we go on television, on YouTube, all over the internet, and then and but then at the same time we're 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 told sex is bad. You got to keep that behind closed doors, and we <laughs> slut shame and do all this stuff. So like we're rocking a hard place. We're damned if we do and damned if we don't. Um, so, what is good modern sex education? <laughs> it's not just talking about. STD or STI prevention is not just talking about birth control. It's talking about pleasure and communication and authenticity and, and communication. Like There's so much more that, that we can do today with modern communication technologies, I'm going to call them, that <laughs> our, grandparents, our grandparents did not have. My grandparents did not have the, the words and the vocabulary to speak about these things with razor sharp, fine um, edges like we can today.
0: What are things Uh you find yourself teaching teaching, you know? So I was looking at kind of your list, and like one of them is healthy masculinity. So like what are some of the ways that you try to teach
1: healthy masculinity? Okay. Imagine two ends of a spectrum. One being a guy who is a nice guy, and he's he's honestly just kind of like a doormat. And he's just, just like he people wipe their feet on him. And then the other end, you could you could imagine kind of a chauvinist, kind of a jerk, self-centered, egotistical person. Right. Mm. If we were to we accept that as a spectrum between nice guy and jerk, <laughs> what I'm teaching is the healthy middle way where we can advocate for if I'm a man, I, I can advocate for the, the, the validity of my feelings and my desires and my thoughts. And at the same time be sensitive and elicit the feeling feelings, desires and thoughts of my partner and work with 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 her. And I just work with heterosexual couples. So,
0: sounds like you're trying to teach people to be like a male to be a whole person. But it was, you were talking about it. It was so interesting. I thought of every video or movie representation of one or the other that you described. And I was like, yeah, where are the middle (laughs) grounds? I don't see Uh them often. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. So, there's a lot of metaphor to dance actually like a good dance partner can listen and can also contribute to the dance or you could say lead at times and follow at times that's a really Mm -hmm. amazing dance of equals right where you can share the load you can you can switch between roles you're not stuck in any certain role pattern that like you inherited from your parents or your belief system or your church or something like that but you can actually be in the present moment responding to things as they change and finding and investigating different aspects of yourself, rather than always being one rigid definition of who I am. Well, I think people need a little more
0: wiggle room these days. You know, they're those are they're old-fashioned archetypes, and the reality is there's so much more to people these days, and and men. You know, I I find it interesting though, because I think that with the you know I don't even know if I can speak to this perfectly, but like with with feminism and empowerment and kind of women refining themselves, I think men have had to reshape who they are in response to that. So I'm curious oh, what do you see what do you see with your couples like the men the men that you work with, what do you see them struggling with?
1: No, understanding women is is the number one biggest challenge, I think. and second to that is how to communicate what's really going on inside of him because we tend to as guys act like we know everything already we have to we have this kind of like boisterous kind of persona that categorically we tend to put out to the world. I don't need to ask for directions. Like I can figure it out. I'm resourceful, (laughs) you know, and and that makes us feel good about ourselves and capable and, you know, et cetera. But, but what if there's a little anxiety or if there's discomfort or if there's a need that's not going met or something that I wanted to bring up, but I couldn't that maybe there's something I feel ashamed of or like actual tools to get those things out Mm. on the table. Uh, So in a, in a manner that doesn't make her retreat, or get angry or run away uh, you know but but fosters um, uh, a relationship or a container in which you can discuss these things and have the hopefully have the, the discussion bring you closer together because you're building trust with each other hopefully so you know, those two things: a, understanding how women work, because guys are confused. They don't understand <laughs> hormonal changes changes every month. They don't under, understand hormonal changes over the lifetime of a woman. Some of them uh, don't even from, understand
0: the uh, you know the map of the vulva. <laughs> it's
1: like it just depends. And basic sex education, yeah. <laughs> basic sexual anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. Even the term vulva, mm-hmm. uh, most guys don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> you know, they they say oh vagina. No, son. It's not for China. That's like 1960s sex ed. Okay, like it's 60 years later now. Um, (laughs) I'm curious what what do
0: guys ask you about, like how to understand? I've definitely seen that around. Like, I don't understand this this creature. So, like, what what are some of the questions you'll get from men about how to understand women better?
1: The main thing is that I see that guys they come to me and they say, "I don't know what to do." She says one thing one day. And then the next day, it could be something totally different. And all I'm trying to do is track her and show up for her. But then th- the rug gets pulled out from underneath my feet. And I, 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 I'm, I'm confused. And I'm, I'm getting kind of beat up here by this. And I don't know what to do. That's like the main thing. They, they don't understand how to, to handle this constant improvisation. You know
0: what's interesting they about want- that, Chris, is that there's this value system underneath it, I think that's leading that. And that value system is like happy wife, happy life, or if your partner's happy, then you're happy. And so you have this whole group of men essentially that are judging their happiness based on their wife or their partner's um, feelings and moods. And that's the hard thing is that feelings and moods change constantly. So it sounds like part of what you might be doing is not only explaining the female condition, but challenging men to make some decisions for themselves about how they want to think and feel. What are your thoughts
1: on that? Well, definitely part of it is absolutely helping them to claim, helping guys to claim a sense of, uh, I want to say, um, okayness or ease or comfort or st- around having their own inner stability mm-hmm. and not being affected by uh, their Their partner having a change in thought or perspective or mood or desire, um, which is kind of like gathering your energy cords in, or like if you want to go woo, you could say pulling your aura in closer, being or or having kind of callousing your skin a little bit, because armor can be really useful in certain contexts where you're getting kind of thrown off. Hurt or damaged by something. You know, if you thicken your skin a bit or oil your feathers, is another metaphor that we use, just let it roll off your back, right? Like just mm-hmm. stay, keep on keeping on with what's true for you. So there's a st- sense of helping them to claim stability in their own uh, being and their own thoughts and desires and stuff like that. Even if she's inverting from today to tomorrow, like it's okay, I'm still all right here. I, I don't need to constantly be chasing.
0: I think that goes back to the idea of owning your own feelings, emotions, and behaviors, where um, it's interesting, but I think as couples in general have kind of a codependent way of being, you know, where like it's with one person feels you have to feel with them. And I'm not saying that you can't validate and support somebody when they feel, but like some, you can kind of observe, like, oh, okay, that person's feeling a mood and that's cool if they're feeling that, but here's how I feel right now and it's okay if it's different. Um, But like we almost get like, trained to do this with each other where we're supposed to like if this person feels something I need to feel that way with them or I'm not a good partner or I'm not in tune to them in some way and I I don't know I just don't think it's that I don't think it's true and I don't think it's healthy
1: (laughs) right enough of the um, you complete me (laughs) (laughs) concept that this movie Jerry Maguire (laughs) with Tom Cruise from like 20 years ago put out into the world and it was so romantic. It was all these memes. You complete me. It's so traditional Hollywood romance. Mm -hmm. And so many people just love it and fawn over this concept. Oh, that's what I want in my life. But two halves making a whole like in the scripture, from, that's that's thousands of years old ideas, right? That's mm-hmm. very old school thinking about relationships. Today, we live in a very new, different modern world where we're trying for equality between the sexes. And women are more empowered than they've ever been in the history of our country or in the history of the world, you could say, possibly. Mm-hmm. And how do we redefine the landscape of, of, of relationship or coupledom Uh, to embrace this new reality. And then the the precision of our language and our ability to communicate our thoughts and feelings has never been this razor sharp ever. So it's tricky when we have all these mass media messages telling us what romance and love is, and that's what we see all around us. And where are the role models of really healthy, solid, um, of two really healthy, solid whole people that come together to make a relationship of two whole people.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and then I could see how that would add into the communication thing, right? So first you kind of have to be a whole person that kind of understands and recognizes your own feelings, emotions, and they're separate from a partner, right? But then how do you then take that and communicate that in a way that,
1: well, doesn't fuck everything up essentially with your partner? Right, exactly. (laughs) And a lot of people, and I'm just going to say guys, don't know how to do it. And there's so few television shows uh, that demonstrate how to do it. Mm-hmm. Although there are more and more coming online, especially on Netflix over the last three years. I've noticed like so many more shows uh, that demonstrate saying the truth and just letting it be awkward. <laughs> 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 letting the chips fall where they may. That's my favorite and way of flirting, know, by the way. You just awkwardly that- go for it. <laughs>
0: it's like, ah, I like right. you.
1: <laughs> But you know, five years ago, we didn't really have any. I never saw any um, like Hollywood movies or television series or stuff like that that demonstrated leaning into these awkward conversations about in, intimate topics and just letting us all sit in the middle of that awkward fire. Mm-hmm. But now we, we do have the beginnings of of of, of this trending in modern media. So finally, there's something to look at and role model after and say, oh yeah, I want to act like that person. Yeah, I'm going to try that on for size. Finally. But that's also what I do in, in my book is I'm giving these tools. Like here, these work for me. Try them on. See if they work for you. Modify them if, if a different way of doing it might be better, et cetera. What are some
0: of your favorite communication tools?
1: Um, well, I really like getting people to, to talk about their fantasies with each other. Um, and making that a fun, flirty conversation rather than something that they're terrified of, like revealing this inner fantasy that they've been scared to say for years. I like to make it lighthearted. So I I have a communication tool. Um, It's a free download on my website. It's also in in the back of the book called the Yes, No, Maybe Worksheet. Mm -hmm. And it's great. If you give somebody a worksheet on a piece of paper, that gives them something to look at, right? (laughs) Kind of like takes the edge off of being face-to-face with their partner in some intense conversation. It's like, here, you just hand one person the worksheet and the other person the worksheet, and they're like, let's just fill this thing out together. You do one, I'll do one. And it's just a list of different romantic or intimate or sexual activities that, in the world, a lot of people tend to like. You might love it. You might, any specific one you might love or, or hate or, or maybe be open to if some certain conditions were met. Um, so you just go down the list and you check a yes or a check mark in the yes yes column if that's something you would like to do in your sexual or intimate or romantic life at some point before you die, and if you're like hell no, <laughs> you put a check mark in the no column, and if you're like well I don't know maybe you just put a check mark in the maybe column, and then when you both both do that, and then you compare your notes and you see do you have any line items where you're both a yes, or one of you is a yes and the other is a maybe. And then that gives you new information about, oh, my God, I never knew you might want to do dot, dot, dot activity, like maybe get tied up or um, try a sex swing or anal sex or, I don't know, romantic shower with or bath with rose petals and champagne. I mean, whatever it might be, there's tons of different um, ideas on that list.
0: Yeah. And I think people need to learn how to talk about that stuff more directly. I feel like I spend a lot of my own clinical time in the maybe zone where I'm just trying to tease out for couples, well, what are these maybes and what are the context around the maybe? You know, because like even being able to say that, like sometimes people say maybe, but maybe isn't a full yes or a full no, right? It's somewhere in the middle and people need to be able to even share like, this is part of it, but I don't know. Maybe if I were really horny, <laughs> Just being able to say stuff like that with each other and be clear. But to your point, I mean, people haven't been given this language at times, so it's hard. It can be hard to put that stuff out there. And even to understand that you can have a fantasy sharing and it doesn't necessarily go anywhere. It could just be that's the fun part of it, is that you talk about this fantasy and it never goes beyond the consideration phase, but that's okay.
1: Oh, yeah. Fantasies can be so powerful. And then the reality of trying to live out that fantasy can not go well or be ho-hum or not be nearly as satisfying as just having the fantasy. Mm -hmm. And then living out a fantasy with your partner, like maybe you have an idea and you kind of like talk it out in bed while you're making love, like that that kind of embracing of your fantasy by your partner can be so powerful at bonding you two further together. Like, oh my god, I I can explore this part of myself that I've always wanted to explore, this fantasy. Maybe it's role play or something, like I'm cop and you're a robber, you know, doctor and nurse, whatever it might be. You know, some funny thing, but like, you know, it, it's got juice for you and energy for you. And then if your partner embraces that, that, you know, that bonds you deeper, builds trust and, and, and a safer container for the two of you. That, that's, that's moving in a good direction in your relationship, I think
0: i'm imagining a jail you know as you said the cops (laughs) and robbers is like you know it'd be really fun to maybe just like create a prison in like a corner (laughs) of your bedroom and it's like well if you've done wrong i'm gonna put you in the corner
1: (laughs) Uh Uh
0: so i'm curious um you know i was looking over your questionnaire and one of the things you talk about is overcoming a relationship exhaustion so i'm curious i'm curious what work you do there and um what do you think is a helpful way for people to start to stroke that fire, so to speak? I love that you said stroking. It's like, oh, stoking. It says stoking the fire, but still. I put, I put Stoke it,
1: there. It. <laughs> 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 We need to stroke some fire. How do you do it? <laughs> Come on. You know, one of the best tools is lightening up, right? One of the best tools is taking ourselves less seriously and having a little bit more humor about all this stuff. If we take it all so heavily, it can be so oppressive. It can feel insurmountable. But like, if we can lighten up and laugh at ourselves and laugh at it all, like it just makes everything easier. So it's wonderful to bring humor into it, absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, relationship exhaustion is so real. I see so many people just in chronic fatigue from their the the processing and energetic dynamic of their relationship or their household, etc. And and they just live in this state of like chronic exhaustion from things just not going well, or there being fights and arguments and stuff like that.
0: You're seeing it in terms of the relationship, not necessarily chronic exhaustion from like say the shit of the pandemic, (laughs) but you're talking about like even in their relationship just being tired of each other a bit.
1: I see so many people not really hearing what the other person's trying to communicate to them. And then that happens in the other direction also. So they keep saying the same things over and over and they try saying the same things in different ways. Mm -hmm. Well, let me try it from this perspective, et cetera, to try to get the other person to really hear them, to hear what they're trying to communicate. But then when the other person doesn't really get their meaning and filters it and translates it and shifts it and twists it a little bit, Mm-hmm. Like that creates huge exhaustion in the relationship. So truly hearing what the other person is trying to get you to hear helps re- alleviate that exhaustion. And when they when both partners do it, it's the most powerful, most powerful thing. If one partner does it, it does help. One partner really starts truly hearing the, 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 the substance underneath the words, then that's helpful. But if both people do it as an intentional practice in their relationship. Then they start feeling heard and seen and understood. And isn't that's one of the cornerstones of, of having a relationship that like fills you up rather than depletes you. Uh, if you're constantly trying to get your meaning across and it's never landing, that is exhausting.
0: Yeah, I definitely have seen, I was actually just thinking of a couple I was working with this week and it was interesting because the guy said, I've never heard this from her. And she gave this look and like, that was like, I've said this a million times. And I was like, so it was so funny, but I did a a tweak to what he was saying because it's actually, he wasn't receptive to hearing it up to that point because they were, you know, it's one of those things where they're fighting constantly. And I think that happens too, is people don't hear each other in conflict, especially if you're in your fight or flight. And so that little shift of, he just wasn't receptive to it before this. She said it and he's like, no, no, that's what I meant. I'm like, I know, I know it's what you meant. But it's just—it's uh-huh. funny how those little tweaks can really impact a couple, because they—they are—you're—you're you're absolutely right. They're tired. They're tired of not feeling heard or listened or understood. And after a while, it does get tiring. And I think after a while, people there gets to like when it's the worst situation, then people stop trying. So like, it sounds like that's like a step one. Then beyond that, then how does that help them stoke or
1: stroke the fire? <laughs> Well, if you start feeling seen and under, understood, like mm-hmm. if the context of your relationship is one where you, your true meaning is being elicited by your partner and you're doing the same thing for them, then that lays the foundation for um, having conversations about erotic fantasies, intimate fantasies, sexual fantasies, desires, and stuff like that. You know, establishing this this Atmosphere, this environment of true listening—you know, creating that uh, safe space uh, f- where you're both eliciting what's really true inside of each of you—you you know, that that gives the, the the first step towards having an environment in which you can share really difficult things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe it's that you you've got this thing that you really would like to have in your relationship with your partner, but you haven't been able to ever say it. Um, or like, uh, there's this thing that you want to do in your life before you die, um, and it's not happening with your partner, but like it's important to you. It's on your sexual bucket list or something like that. Um, you know, t- then you're you're creating the context in which you can communicate those things, perhaps for the first time ever in your life. Um, so you can start out with simple things, you know, some, some creating some some romantic atmosphere, doing simple gestures that really land for your partner that help them to feel active love from you rather than you know doing something for your partner that they don't really care about like for some people it might be that if i fix the kitchen sink when it's dripping that that might make them be like oh my god i'm he loves me look he's doing he's getting on his back getting wet under the sink and that dank cabinet like he's that's really love you know <laughs> <laughs> but but what if I do that and she, she doesn't care like I could have called the plumber and it, it wouldn't matter to her like I, you know we want our love to land mm-hmm. you know our effort to pay dividends so it's about creating that context where where your effort lands and you can speak the things that you want and and uh, hear the things that your partner wants and then hopefully do them for them if there's something you want to do
0: that sounds great. And actually, as I'm kind of reframing it in my head, is like you're basically creating a space for people to be vulnerable, which is hard. And especially when it comes to sexuality, it's hard for people to be vulnerable, vulnerable and really share these because it takes a risk, right? So you're creating a safety around taking risks so that people can share those secret desires, whether they're sexual or other, you know, like I think couples are often hiding a lot of things, not in... I don't think it's even intentional. I think it's something that happens over time where it's like, you know what? I really want to travel to Switzerland or I really want to, I want to do uh-huh. this thing. But because, you know, they, there's this like path that you feel the relationship's supposed to go. If you, what you want diverts from that path and you kind of say, oh, I can't tell them. They're not going to hear it or they're not going to understand. And so then they withhold that information rather than really sharing and opening up about things that are tough. Um, and then when they finally are starting to share, then that's, that's part of what that excitement and desire comes from is being able to share and be heard and actually act
1: out some of that stuff, whatever it is. You're totally right. You know, an image comes to mind of two people sitting at, let's say a coffee table and having coffee together. And, uh, there's a man and a woman, they're in a relationship together and and they both have masks on, right? And they're both acting this part to each other. (laughs) <laughs> For whatever the reasons are, that's what they they think they're supposed to do. I'm supposed to be the, the, the provider and the endless rock or, you know, my father expects me to be that way. So I got to live up to my father's expectations or my brother and sister, my coworkers, my, my neighbors, you know, all these expectations that we perceive that we should live up to on our shoulders or, or in this mask that we put on. But if you can take that mask off and, 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 and really be real and, and facilitate or assist or at least support your, your partner taking their mask off and really being real with you, then you actually have the chance of a relationship of two real people where you really know the other person mm-hmm. rather than interacting with a facade or an actor, you know, somebody who's role-playing what they think they should be, trying to satisfy everybody. I think there's nothing better than a relationship of two real human beings that are authentic with each other.
0: It's actually pretty hot.
1: Uh, <laughs> right? Totally. You know, so making yourself vulnerable can can be really hot to the other person. Like, wow, you're putting your 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 heart in my hands here. Wow, mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of hot. It is. But it has to be done in a, a zone of safety because so many of us have experienced trauma and abuse that like it could literally be life-threatening or emotionally threatening, mm-hmm. etc. um so This all is about creating the context of safety in which we can reveal and investigate these things inside of ourselves that have a lot of juice and energy, but we rarely show to the light of day.
0: Well, on that note, that's really good. It's good, and I want that to be one of the last notes our uh, listeners here. So we're at the end of the podcast, but I did want to ask for you to just tell people again where they can find you.
1: Chris. Oh, sure. Thank you so much for for asking that. Yeah. You know, Conscious Cock, C O C K. Yes. (laughs) Conscious (laughs) Cock. That is my website. And if you search Conscious Cock, you'll also come up with my book. Mm -hmm. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the world. And, um, And all my social media profiles. But if you just go to my website, ConsciousCock.com, there's tons of free downloads there with worksheets and tools and and workshops that I've recorded. And you can get the free audio download of that workshop, et cetera, which is so helpful when we're in all these COVID lockdown pressure cooker relationships these days, right? Mm We need tools to help us shift the energy and re-steer the ship towards a more positive direction. So thank you for for asking that. Yeah, I would invite anybody. Just go to my website and you can get to everything from there.
0: Absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a real pleasure. And you all have been listening to www.aboutsexpodcast.com. You can also find me as a therapist at www.therapistinsaintlouis.com. Thanks again for joining us and stay kinky, St. Louis.